we're going to open God's Word together. We're going to be continuing in our series in the book of Ezra. And uh, I'm really pleased that we have somebody back uh, speaking to us. He's slightly more bleary-eyed than the last time we heard from him. Uh, maybe he has the odd splatter of milk spit or something on him. Uh, but he is back. Uh, let's give him a big welcome. It's Luke. Thank you, Sam. Always encouraging. Thank you. Um, yeah, I probably am slightly more and bleary-eyed, but it is uh, really lovely to be together. Um, I did say that uh, um, my, my name's Luke. I'm one of the elders of Life Church. Um, lots of you will know that, but um, that would be new to some of you. Um, and uh, Beth and I had a little girl uh, six and a bit weeks ago. So I did say she is in here at the beginning because actually my voice does lull her to sleep. So this is um, quite helpful. Um, actually. So if I start preaching for about an hour and a half, you'll know that we're just trying to keep her asleep. Um, yeah. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> Outrageous. Okay. I'm going to teach on the Lord's discipline this morning. And how the, No, not really. Um, so we are moving through our preaching series uh, on the book of Ezra. Now, I've been really excited about this preaching series. I've loved um, hearing what we've heard so far, but I'm particularly excited because I think the book of Ezra is a bit of the Bible that most of us don't know anything about. And so it's great to say, well, if all Scripture is breathed out by God, then this must be something good. And so I've loved looking at this little area, this little corner of Scripture, even just these first six chapters, because I really do believe that God has wonderful things to show us. And this morning, as we find ourselves in chapter 5 and the first half of chapter 6, I don't think there's any difference. There's wonderful things uh, to do, to see. So where have we got to? Well, um, I love the kind of understanding the history, how the Old Testament fits together. So here's a bit of a reminder, if you're not sure. Uh, the people of God had been in the promised land. The Israelites had been in the promised land. And yet, after rejecting God for years and years and years, the Babylonian Empire has swept down and have kicked the Jews out of Jerusalem and the surrounding kingdom. And so the, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, have been in exile for 50 years, around 50 years. They've been in Babylon and the surrounding empire. But the Babylonians get beaten up by the Medo-Persian empire. Uh, King Cyrus is now in charge. And King Cyrus, we read in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, actually says the Jewish people can go back to Jerusalem for the express purpose of rebuilding the temple to their God, who he calls the God of heaven. And so exile is over. The the people of God get to go back to the promised land. They get to be back as it was before, or sort of. They still don't have their own king. They're under foreign occupation. And what we heard last week was, worst of all, a number of years after starting rebuilding the temple, opposition arises from their neighbours. People start to say, actually, we don't like what you're doing, and they write to the king. And the Jews are told, you must stop building the temple. And so between the end of chapter four and the beginning of chapter five, if you work it out from little references of who was king at the time, there are over 16 years that the people of God, for fear of their neighbours, have not been building the temple. As a time for a baby to almost become an adult. 16 years they have been too afraid to build the temple. Who would encourage them? to keep going, who would instill confidence in them to do what God had called them to do? And so you read Ezra chapter five 
And we're just going to read a few verses from the beginning of the passage, a few verses from the end. Um, I'd love to go into all the detail, but we really would be here for hours. But we're going to read this to meet two very important people. So let's read Ezra chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who is over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. Our passage begins this morning with two new main characters, prophets called Haggai and Zechariah. Now, we don't actually know much about them. We, all we know from this passage is that Zechariah's dad was called Ido. That's all we know about these two so far. But what we definitely do know is what they said stirred the people of God from 16 years of fear and apathy to saying, do you know what? No, we were brought back here to build this temple and we're going to continue. Happy ending, right? That's all over. Finish the passage. But then we read on in verse 3. At the same time, Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, that's this whole region of kind of where Israel was and a bit, bit, bit around it, the province beyond the river, and Shethar Bozanai and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and finish this structure? They also asked them this, what are the names of the men who are building the building? But the eyes of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius, and then an answer be returned by letter concerning it. If, if some of you were here last week to hear um, the, the passage we preached through, you might, hear, you might be thinking, oh no, here we go again. The people are building the temple, and yet their neighbours, the, the Gentiles around them, they come up against the people of God and stop them. Don't you think one of the worst details is they asked for the names of the men who were doing it. Have any of you been asked, and what is your name, young man? Does anyone, you know you're in trouble when someone asks for your name, don't you? They asked for the names. And so you think, oh no, it's happened again. But this time, actually, they respond a bit differently. Instead of retreating, they carry on building. And actually, the governor, Tatanai, seems to be actually a bit more flexible towards them. He, he writes a letter to the king, just like in chapter 4. It's actually a fascinating parallel between the two, if you want to go away and study that sometime. But he, he writes a letter to the king of Persia, just like before. But Tatanai seems much more neutral than the, the enemies of Israel in, in the last chapter. He seems a little bit more concerned about not losing his job and making sure everyone's following the rules. He doesn't actually oppose the Jews building the temple. And so he writes... And what we read in the rest of the chapter, he writes to the king and says, hey, look, they're building a temple. Is that okay? The king says, look, I've checked it out. We're happy for them to do it. Um, let them do it. What's more, the king says, do you know what? I'm going to pay for it out of the royal treasury. And then he has a quick little mention of saying, oh, and can you make sure they pray for me as well? That would be really nice. And, and so we hear the governor writes to the king, the king writes back, and the decree is actually the Jews are allowed to continue building the temple. And this is then where we get to. I'll just read the last couple of verses of our passage, chapter 6, from verse 13. Then according to the words sent by Darius the king, so after hearing the letter the king sent back, Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, Shethar Bozanai and their associates did with all diligence what Darius the king had ordered. 
and the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. They finished their building by decree of the God of Israel and by decree of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. So, we've met our two main characters this week. I quite like in each of the passages, there seems to be a new character that comes out and meets us. In the first week in chapter one, uh, where Paul was preaching through for us, we met Zerubbabel. He's not the king, but he sort of should be. He's the grandson of Jehoiachim, one of the kings of Judah. He's the great, 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 great grandson of King David. He's got royal blood, but the Persians are on the throne. So he's, he's just a governor. So we met a king-ish. The next week we met Jeshua, the third most important Joshua in the Bible. He's the high priest at the time. And then this week we meet Zechariah and Haggai, two prophets. Now, as I mentioned, actually these two prophets, we know very little about them. Actually, the two passages I just read is all that we know about them from the book of Ezra. But they do both write their own books. So if you recognise their names... Haggai and Zechariah, both are two of the minor prophets, we call them just because they have shorter books, two of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. And actually, if you want to hear what they have to say, in September, we're going to spend four weeks reading through Haggai, which I think will be brilliant. I've been reading that lots recently. But in the book of Ezra, though their mention is brief, and it is very brief, it's powerful, isn't it? It's brief, but it's powerful. They prophesy and the people find the courage to keep going. Now this morning our theme is that prophecy encourages the people of God. I'm going to share a little bit more from this text and then we're going to do something slightly different. I'm doing an interview with someone, but, but that is the theme of the morning, that prophecy encourages the people of God. You might be asking, what is prophecy? Prophecy. That's a hard question to answer in in 30 seconds. But simply, prophecy means that the God we believe in is a God who isn't distant and silent, but a God who loves to speak to his people. A God who is close to us and speaks to his people through his people. He He uses some of his people to speak his words. And in the Old Testament and New Testament, even though prophecy, there are major differences between that, Prophecy has always been rich and diverse. If you read some of the Old Testament prophets, some of them, uh, some of them do have visions, some words of warning, some interpret, uh, interpret current affairs of the time, some give powerful sermons, some give revelation of future events of the Messiah to come. Some even cook things over cow manure. These are the kind of varied ways that the prophets of the Old Testament speak God's words to the people of God. But at its essence, prophecy is God speaking to his people through his people. And what I want to say this morning and what we want to see is that prophecy always encourages. Prophecy always encourages. Now you might be saying, well, that's a bit of an oversimplification. But let's think about the word encouragement for a second. Now, uh, Beth and I went through all this uh, preparation for um, Esther being born, all the like birth preparation, and they, they tell you all these things about positive affirmations. You're great. 
you'll do amazing. There's strength within you. And that's great, but that's not what biblical encouragement is. That's not godly encouragement. No, godly encouragement isn't saying you're great, you can do it, you'll be fine. Godly encouragement is saying he's great. He can do it. He hasn't failed you yet and he won't fail you now. Look to him and have strength. And you see, prophecy always does that. Now, it comes in various forms, sometimes in joyful, delightful declarations, sometimes in stark warning and rebuke, but it always takes our eyes back to our God and says, look to him. Courage comes from looking to God, not to ourselves. And this is what our two prophets did this morning. We don't know what they said in these passages, but we do know that they brought godly encouragement. Chapter five, verse verse one, it says, now the prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem. How? In the name of the God of Israel, who is over them. They did it in his name. They did it in his power and for his sake. They were bringing the people back to God. And so what we want to see this morning is we cannot underestimate the role of a true encourager. And we cannot underestimate the importance of prophecy. One of the things I love about this passage, just as a bit of an aside, is such a critical gift. But these two men, Haggai and Zechariah, they knew their job, what it was and what it wasn't, didn't they? They couldn't provide the finances. No one could. They needed the king for that, the king of Persia. They couldn't even stop the opposition around them. They weren't even the leaders of the people. That was um, Zerubbabel and Jeshua the priest. But they had a job to do. And when they did their job, when they instilled faith in the people of God, the leaders sat up and listened. And Zerubbabel and Jeshua were encouraged. And the people said, yes, it's time to go again. And the work of God prospered. Prophecy is crucial in the church. It has such an important job to play. And as it says in chapter 6, verse 14, this wonderful final verse, the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying. So, prophecy is critical to the people of God to encourage. And there are differences, there are important differences between Old and New Testament. We don't have time to go into that today. But the Apostle Paul is just as clear as any of the writers of the Old Testament that prophecy is there to encourage. You think of things like 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 5, he says, Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets. Why? So that the church may be built up. Why does Paul love prophecy? Why does he want us all to prophesy? Because it builds up the church. It's used to encourage us, to challenge us, to keep going, to hold on to Christ. And so I think that's enough for me. I just wanted to share some of the stuff that that is in this passage which sets the scene for what prophecy is. But what I wanted to do for the rest of the time is to start painting a real world picture of it. And so I asked Gio, my dear friend, if he would come and share some testimony with us. Otherwise, we will just go on and on as I try and keep my little baby asleep. So I asked Gio, not because he's the chief prophet or even the finished article, but because he is just a child of God's who is one of the many people in this church who God has given the wonderful gift of prophecy that is used to build up and encourage. 
And I have the great privilege of receiving that from a number of people. And I've had the great joy of having conversations with Gio over the last year and a half, uh, where I've been really built up. So I thought prophecy looks different in lots of different ways. Why don't we get a flavour of what it can look like? So Gio, do you want to come up? Why don't we welcome Gio? I wanted to bring um, the Backstreet Boys stools from the Fletton Centre, but um, I forgot. No, does no one know the Backstreet Boys stools in the Fletton Centre? Some of you are nodding politely. Do the rest of you not know? They're great. You can key change every time you stand up. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. How are you doing, Gio? Are you all right? I'm doing okay. Good. Doing okay. Okay, well, now we've got to do an experiment to see if Gio's voice also lulls Esther to sleep. So you've got to, you know, dulcet tones, dulcet tones. Um, so Gio, you very kindly um, said you'd happy to kind of chat together about prophecy and about how God has used that in your life. So do you want to just start by sharing a little bit about when you kind of first started to think, oh, maybe this is a gift God has given me and what that kind of looked like to grow in it? Well, it happened about 30 years ago. I always had the desire to encourage people. And I was always, uh, when I read that scripture, it talks about uh, pursue love. So I was always keen and I wanted to sort of step out in faith. And uh, when I first arrived in Peterborough as a single man before I met my wife, uh, there was a couple that was from America that were the Slagles. They called themselves the prophetic psalmist. And I got to hear them on an on, on audio tape. And uh, the moment I got to hear some of the words that they were giving over the people, I just knew, like I knew, like I knew that that was my calling. And I happened to go to a meeting in Warwickshire where uh, some friends of mine took me. And we kind of arrived a little bit late. I had an aching finger that I could not shake off. And uh, I tried to put on the uh, AOG Pentecostal cap on by rebuking it. Nothing would shift it. So I arrived at this meeting fairly late and he was halfway ministering to people and then he gets a word of knowledge and he says, there are three people here that, that, that you may have what seems to be a pain in your finger. He says, don't worry, it is God indicating that he has a word for you. Could you please stand up? Well, two people stood up. I was the third person, but I didn't stand up straight away to begin with. So my friend kindly gave me a nudge. And as I stood up, he, uh, he said, I thought it was a young man at the back. And then obviously he called us out. And uh, he began to prophesy over the two before me. And then basically said, God's called you here because you're going to be doing what, what we're doing. And I kept thinking, well, he plays the uh, keyboard. I can't play the keyboard. I didn't think much to his singing, I have to be honest. And then he obviously prophesied a lot of things into my life. And that day, he imparted something of that prophetic gift in me that got so stirred up. And then when I got back, back to uh, when I was at uh, Church on the Rock, I really began to put it to practice. And I then began to prophesy over the audience of people and just pick random people out and, then, and just basically go for it, really. And that was the start of uh, me learning how to develop the prophetic gift. I, I began to hang around with people that were prophetic. I got books that I could learn quite a bit about how to develop into the gift. But the most important thing for me was the character because without character, your gift can be all over the place. You need character maturity. And God did take me through a wilderness in order to beat the flesh out of me, in order for me to 
recognize God's voice and, and then begin to develop the art of just hearing God's voice and knowing when to speak and when not, when not to speak. So the Lord did take me through a whole process, mm. but, uh, but it, was a, it was a place of, uh, at times, loneliness, but a place of real intimacy with God. And, uh, and so now, for me, this is in my DNA, it's in my blood. I mean, I prophesy wherever I am. Even at work, I'll end up prophesying to some of the uh, shop attendants. Trust me, God always wants to bring a word of encouragement, strength, and comfort. Mm. And people out there are made in the image of God. And if they're made in the image of God, then you, you've got the access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit as a believer. You can say something that is not just positive, but can be life-changing experience. Wonderful. That's so wonderful. And I think um, that's we, we caught up the other day, didn't we, and talked about this morning. And um, I think that's one of the things that I've been so encouraged by you over the years, not just when you've shared words with me personally or about the church, but also just you giving testimony of you're very much... Uh, someone who steps out of faith <laughs> when they feel God is stirring you, you step out in faith. Uh, and I find that so encouraging because I think that's something, that's a challenge. That's a challenge to me. And so uh, we talked about uh, sharing some of those uh, testimonies, some of those things that you've seen recently or in the past. Um, uh, and I'm sure we could go on all day, uh, but we said a few things, didn't we? That oh, You shared a few things with me. So why don't we... Um, I thought the kind of the first one about over the rainbow that you were telling me about the other day. Why don't we start there? Yes, it happened during the pandemic when we were doing the freedom group, and uh, I had this word. Now, whenever God speaks, I mean, Luke mentioned about uh, impressions and visions, and uh, and uh, sometimes I, I often get like a a picture, but we often call them visions. So sometimes I'll see like a screen in front of me. I had this word. It didn't make an awful lot of sense to me. I had a picture of over the rainbow, and I looked at this person, but I didn't give the word there and then, so I just kind of, uh, kind of just retreated back and then began to pray. And, uh, and then the next day, I, I decided to give this person a ring, and, uh, and so whenever I get a word that I don't understand, it's always good to ask them open questions. Does this resonate? Does this make any sense? Because don't forget, you're always learning as you, as you take those uh, leaps of faith and, and, and step out. So I spoke to this person. I said, I had this uh, picture of, uh, over the rainbow. Wow, she got so overwhelmed, tears, from what I could hear on the other side of the phone. And it, and, and it basically was that uh, her granddad had just passed away and his favourite song was Over the Rainbow. And to me, that was uh, a word of comfort that she needed to know that God was with her because she was going to sing that at his funeral. That was his favourite. Mm. And I always like when God surprises me because I never know when God gives you a word about somebody or sometimes if I'm, if I'm around people, I can generally pick up on whether there is destiny, traumas or hurts and then I just wait on God until something comes to my mind or God speaks directly to my spirit. And can I just encourage you, one of the best ways to recognise God's voice Learn to recognize God's voice on the inside. When he talks about that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Learn to operate through the new man. You know when it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And I have learned just to develop the inner man so that I learn to recognize God's voice through the scripture, through the word. And when the word gets on the inside of it, it begins to stir. If I read Corinthians 12, 13, 14, I'll have been so stirred up that I'm ready to go. 
And uh, so, yes, learn to be led by the Spirit mm. of God through the inner man, because you'll hear God so clearly. That's one of the stories. I, I've got lots of stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wonderful, really wonderful, Gio. And I think um, just that, the way that I, I know when it's me, I think I feel God prompting me of something and I think, oh, it's probably nothing. I'm probably wrong. But it's something which seems almost so trivial, a phrase like someone over the rainbow. But if that was actually the comfort of God that person needed in that moment of grief, that, that is the kindness of God, isn't it? <laughs> Using one another through that wonderful gift uh, to do something quite profound and something which seemed quite maybe seem quite ordinary, just a, a phrase that God had put in your mind. You, you, um, yeah, you shared, you shared another story with me um, of, of uh, kind of a, a confirmation you gave yeah, uh, to your friend. two weeks ago. Trust me, if you ever see me in a canteen and you hang around with me, you'll know well enough to know that I'll, yeah. I'll stop to uh, get words for people. And, uh, and, uh, and so I was with some friends of mine, and I've got a friend of mine that goes to Africa from time to time, and he's there digging the wells, helping the community. As I was uh, listening on his conversation with my friend, I suddenly saw this vision in front of me of a oil rig and uh, him striking gold. And I thought, God, it doesn't make sense. What? Not at all. But I could see it just, just form in my, in my spirit. And then my friend noticed that he knew I had something. So he said to me, he said, oh, let's stop the conversation because I know Gia's got a word. So I shared what I shared with him and he said, very interesting. He says, I've been asking God for confirmation. This time I'm going out to strike gold and my son's going to be working with his partner, his son, on an oil rig. And that, that very moment, the Spirit of God fell on me and I began to prophesy into his situation. I just needed that kind of uh, opening and then God just released those words that came out of my mouth. Sometimes when God speaks, you may just have one syllable, one syllable, and sometimes you just got to open your mouth and then the rest will come. And if I can encourage the church this morning, when it says that in Corinthians, when he says that when you come together, one has, guess what, church? You don't have an excuse. One has a psalm, one has a hymn, one has a word of instruction, because you all have the ability to hear from God, like it says in John 10, when he talks, my sheep hear my voice. Mm. And that's not for the leaders, not just for the leaders and the prophets and the apostles and elders, but it's for everybody. You're his children. And God wants to use you in, in the workplace, at home, or uh, even if you're going down the street and you get a sense of a burden to pray about something. That's often when you know that God is speaking. Mm. And that's when you need to step out of the boat and encourage the body of Christ. Wonderful, Geo. Yeah, so encouraging. Um, I wanted to share um, one other story because I, I feel, um, I said to Gio, I want to share this story because this is from my perspective when Gio encouraged me. But um, I tend to start my week um, in extended, kind of my working week in, in a longer time of prayer, mainly because I genuinely need the encouragement of God <laughs> every week when I kind of come to, what does it mean, what does it look like to serve you this week? What does it mean to um, serve this church family? Uh, and it was actually a few weeks before we came back to this building. Some of you would have uh, remembered that when we came back to the TDA. Um, 
And I was praying to God about that. What, what, what do you need to say to the church? What are the things we need to be encouraged of at the moment? And um, I was speaking to God lots and think, he was speaking to me about things, but I, I felt so unsettled about kind of what, what do I share and what does the church need? And, uh, and you just sent me a text that morning and you probably thought nothing of it, I don't know, but you sent me a really lovely text. I found it. Um, and you said, I have this scripture the other day of Proverbs 24, 27. And it says this, prepare your works outside and get everything ready for yourself in the field. After that, build your house. I believe this is for you, Life Church. Uh, God is going to pour his wisdom and direction upon you and give you an upgrade. How to build his church. Step out in faith. God will give you the instruction to bring restoration and freedom for the people. He wants you to know that he is with you and to seek him, uh, to seek him with you. You will see God's goodness throughout this year. And I just share that with you because that's a bit of behind the scenes, but um, I can't remember whether or not I shared that on the Sunday. I don't think I shared the wording, but um, I needed that. I really needed that at the time to just know, actually, God knows what I'm going through with him and I'm hearing God speak and still feeling nervous. <laughs> and so God brought an encouragement from, from a friend and, uh, uh, and you in that moment built me up and encouraged me, which is such a joy to hear in these varied ways. That's what God does. And it's lovely speaking to Gio this morning, but I've had these stories from so many people among the church and so many people have encouraged me, have encouraged the church family, whether publicly on Sundays, whether quietly um, in other contexts. And it's such a crucial thing. And the, the wonderful stories we heard this morning just show just a taste of how God uses um, the prophetic. Gio, just before we um, end, um, I know I kind of asked you the question, are there particular things you you feel on your heart at the moment that God is saying to the church. And um, you kind of shared a few things with me a couple of weeks yeah. ago. I, I wonder, I think we're going we're gonna to have time to worship, to lift our eyes to Jesus. That's always the most appropriate response to anything we do is to worship Jesus. Um, but we are going to have time actually to respond to some of this stuff and ask what God is doing specifically with us. So I wonder, what, do, do you want to share? Yeah. I don't know if they've changed since I last spoke to you, Jim. <laughs> Well, but, just, yeah. just, just to confirm, because obviously you mentioned about the Holy Spirit. I've been getting this word uh, the last few days as I've been seeking and uh, praying to the Lord. And uh, I believe that you're in a season now where the Holy Spirit wants to engulf you. know, always get to know the Holy Spirit, the mm -hmm. advocate, the helper, the comforter. It was interesting that you brought it up because I had the same word. And I feel it's time for the church to, to connect with the Holy Spirit, get to know him as a person. Greet him when you get up in when you get when you get up out of bed in the morning. Just say good morning, Holy Spirit. Chat with him, talk to him, and when you when you open up the Word, ask him just to reveal his the Word of God to you because he will. And I really feel that the Holy Spirit wants to do that for us as a church. And one of the scriptures that came to my mind, which I may have said this before, is Isaiah 61, where it talks about that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has anointed as a believer. We're all anointed to do the works of Christ. You just need to ask the Lord what it is that he's called you to do and then do it. Because this is the time. Now is the time to really just step up, step out, and then begin to see God move in powerful ways. And then Acts 10.38 came to my mind where it talks about how Jesus went about doing good, healing them that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. So God wants to release his goodness. He wants to demonstrate the kingdom through his word. And then Isaiah 60 talks about rise, shine, for your light has come. Well, when we begin to... Uh, 
connect with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just think of it this way. When you allow God to come into the center of your heart and allow him to guide you and lead you, all things are possible. Miracles will happen. Mm -hmm. Healings will happen. Provision will happen. Why? Because you've connected with the most holy God, who is your Father. Mm. And when you connect with Jesus, who is the most glorious, the most wonderful person. Because I had the joy of uh, seeing the face of Jesus. And if I was to describe what he looked like, it would blow you away. Because his compassion, his love is everlasting, it's never ending. And he's always there for you. And when you get to know the Holy Spirit... He'll be, he'll be happy just to open up mm. the revelation of the Word of God. And you can go places. Church will begin to expand. It will grow. And guess what? Your faith will grow in the Lord. It's all about relationship at the end of the day. And God desires family, army, and then reach out to the community. And that's what I believe God is actually saying to us. Get to know the Spirit of God. Mm. Get to know His Word. I had an encounter with God. Ten years ago when he came into my living room, he completely changed me. He gave me such a passion for his word that I literally fell in love with the word of God. In the same way that you fall in love with the person that you marry, I fell in love with the word of God. And ever since, it's never gone away. Linda will tell you that when I wake up in the morning, I'm downstairs declaring and reading the word, word of God because I'm so in love with the word of God mm. because I, I, I believe every word that comes out of that scripture is God's word speaking to me. And if, you, if I can encourage you to do that, you will begin to develop your spiritual man, you'll begin to hear God clearly and you'll begin to do things that you never imagined you could do but in his strength. Amen. Can we thank Gio? Thank you so much, Gio. Brilliant. Oh, bless you, my friend. I hope you are encouraged. Um, I hope, yeah, I really wanted to, to just get that opportunity this morning to um, raise our faith, to encourage us, but also to raise our faith. It's, um, the, big, the big day away is when we're going we're gonna to really deliberately start talking about um, the Holy Spirit, who he is, what it means to be the spirit-filled people of God. The things I want to do is I want us as a church to recognise that privilege more and I want us to raise our expectations of what that means. And so this morning is just a taste of what that can look like when we are those who, who um, step out in the things that God has given us as a church family all together. But let's just lift our eyes to Jesus um, as uh, we end. Because the whole of the book of Ezra and the whole of the Old Testament has been pointing ahead to Christ. That's what it does. It looks ahead to him. And you know that Jesus is the great prophet. Moses speaks in Deuteronomy 18 of a time where the great prophet will rise up as Jesus. In John's gospel, he starts by saying, Jesus is the word of God, the logos of God. He is the perfect communication of who God is. Why? Because he's God himself. Hebrews 1 says that all of the Old Testament prophets were great, but Jesus is greater because they spoke about God, but Jesus is the perfect representation of God. And so Jesus is the great prophet in a way that no other prophet was. And so that means a million things, but one thing it definitely means is Jesus is our great encourager. Jesus is our great encourager. And just like the people of God in our passage this morning, there are seasons of life we go through which are very difficult, which are exhausting, 
which are really painful and where opposition comes against us again and again and again. But Christ is our great encourager. Jesus says this of himself in John 16. I've told you these things. He's been preaching for a while. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then he says this. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Because they'll go away? No. (laughs) Because it's not that big a deal? No. Because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Jesus himself is the great encouragement. And so Jesus pours out by his spirit the gifts And prophecy is right at the centre of those gifts. And prophecy is talked about probably more than any of the other gifts because it's there to build us up and encourage. But if godly encouragement points us to God, the greatest encouragement God ever gives us is to point to Christ because all encouragement is built on him. And so we've heard a lot about prophecy. We've heard a lot about our passage in Ezra. We've heard great testimony from Geo. What we're going to do now is we're going to lift our eyes to Jesus. We're going to remember the thing that we look back to and base our faith on. Almost. We almost got to the end. Um, Look back to and base our faith on, which is uh, the cross. So we're going to take communion together now if the band wants to um, jump up. Uh, We're going to worship Jesus together. Uh, And then, yeah, and then... We're going to start to respond to some of these things. For some of us, you'll know that you think, actually, I think God has given me a gift here, but I've, I, for whatever reason, I don't think I can share that. I don't think I'm a person who God would use. I don't think maybe I'm disqualified. I think God wants to encourage you this morning that he has given you a gift uh, and that's something he wants to bring you to share. Um, For others, there are things that God has put on your heart for this church. Actually, you think, no, I do want to share that this morning. Um, But we'll we'll see where we go. Uh, Sam and I will navigate through that. But let's take communion together as we look to the great one who gave up his life that we might live. As we look to Jesus, who is the one who builds us up, the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of his church. We take communion and we remember him. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are encouraged when we look to you, not with platitudes and simple kind of things that just emotionally buoy us up, but in the sure foundation of your death and resurrection, in the delight of your poured out Holy Spirit and in the hope of the future you've given us with your Father. And so Jesus, we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship him together.